All right, good morning, y'all. Welcome to my podcast, The Musician's Perspective, where we talk about life from, as you guessed it, a musician's perspective. On today's podcast, we talk about a post from my Patreon. But before we get there, um, I just got some updates. Whenever I film these, it's only going to be 20 minutes long or less because my memory card can only hold that much. But if they run over, I'll, I'll just like keep the audio and replace it with something else. Um, anyways, we're going to be talking about Track separation intention today. Uh, this is from Patreon post uh, from a tips and tricks segment I do there for $5 plus Patreons, um, Patreon supporters. This is for musicians, rappers, um, people like that who want to know a little bit more about the behind the scenes aspect of making beats and that type of stuff. So for this specific article, I talked about track separation. Um, track separation and why each of these groups has a different function and what are those functions and why it's really nice to be able to separate those out. So rhythm tracks is what I always are, are, are what I always start with. I want to build a foundation of chords that I can layer the rest of my tracks with. So sometimes I play chords on a piano, sometimes I play play them on guitar. But whatever, whenever I'm writing a song, those are the things that I start with. The reason why is because before I put anything else, I want a good perspective, a good space to put everything on top of. So I want to know where the bass line is going to sit. I want to know where the leads are going to sit. And I have to choose each chord carefully in order to do so. I, I need to know if my leads are going to fit on top of whatever chord progression that I come up with. Now, it's really easy to play commonly accepted chord progressions like 1-4-5s. Um, those are super easy. Everyone knows what they are. Everyone knows the sound. But you have to understand why they work. For example, when a 5 chord resolves back to a 1 chord, the reason why that works is because of the tension that the 5 chord, the dominant chord, it builds and then it resolves back to the home chord or the tonic chord. Um, there's a lot of ways to bend that, of course. There's a lot of other chords you can throw in between to like delay that. But the essential gist of it is you're trying to create a tension and a release. So you find chords that are related to other chords or the melody, um, if that's the way you're choosing to work. But you find chords that create the tension that you want to release eventually. Because a song without tension and release is kind of just static, which in many ways is fine, but it's not, it's not what I personally look for when I'm making music. A lot of really dissonant music is just all tension and a lot of uh, very, very, to put it fairly, uh, simple music is all home it's all one chord and that's just it just stays there this whole time and there's no sense of urgency but either either end of the spectrum it creates an uninteresting track to look listen to all right i make sure i capture the right visceral feeling as well when listening to those chord changes so like i want the, the chords to be happy sad whatever if melancholy i'll use a major seven chord if i really want it to sound uh dissonant i'll use a tritone throw throw something with tritones in it um 
My lead tracks, on the other hand, are all the harmonies and counter melodies and the actual melody layered on top of each other. What these do is they build upon the chord progression that you've established using a piano or a guitar or whatever, and either delays the tension re release or it highlights it. For example, if you're going from a five to a one, you can just do T-Do, so seven back to one for those of you who don't speak solfege, but you can just do that quarter note downbeat, downbeat, and then it follows the um, harmonic progression exactly. Or you can use things like anticipations and suspensions, you know, where you hang over from a previous chord to delay the gratification a little bit. So you can play with the exact timing. And, and you can do this in your rhythm changes as well. But essentially, what you're doing with leads is that you're highlighting or um, creating a juxtaposition of those tension and release moments. You want to know where, where exactly everything is um, within that spectrum. And so you use your harmony and melody to form that. My next, my next one I'm going to talk about is bass. For bass, I have one rule, and you've probably heard it a million times. Keep it simple, stupid. For bass, bass is the most foundational instrument in my opinion. It keeps everything locked down. So you know what your chords are going to be, you know what inversions you want them to be, you know what all that stuff is by this point. So what you want to do is have a bass line that really holds that down. You want your listener to understand where everything is. So if I wanted to go from A minor to, let's see like D, D minor, I wanted to go one to four. Um, <coughs> an easy way to do that would just be on piano, A, A, C, E, and then A, A, C, E, and then A, D, F. But, so you play the, the second inversion of a D, D minor chord. Being able to do that, what you can do on bass is just hover on A the whole time. Or if you want to make it super clear what you're doing, then you go A, 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 and then go down to D. But either way, what you're really doing is holding down the groove, holding down the harmonic content of the rest of the of the rest of the spectrum. So the whole point is not to confuse your listener. I mean, of course, there are times when it's like musically appropriate to subvert expectations, but for the most part, keep it simple, stupid. And you know, lock in with the bass drum uh, or, and release with the snare drum. That's a really easy way to make it sound like you're really grooving. Um, following those two rules will get you a really nice sounding bass line or 808, depends what you're doing. And my next thing is percussion. Percussion keeps the groove. Um, they create tension release with fills, you know, um, stuff like that. There's a lot of options you have for percussion. They can either just be the solid rhythmic background, you know, shakers and whatnot, or they can be like the snare drum, so like a, a very dynamic instrument that can create a lot of different textures depending on how you use it. And so using those dynamics you can really build tension and release with those um with like how you layer everything out um one of the things that not enough 
uh, trap producers do is use fills. All too often, I hear the same one, two, three, four, one, two, and etc., etc. And it gets very, very boring after a while if the snare drum's not doing anything except hitting on two and four. But I mean, I do that too sometimes. Sometimes the music calls for that, and sometimes it's better to do that. But for the most part, be able to stretch where things are. And you can also groove things a little bit. But I don't mean just playing directly on beat. I mean, you can play a little bit behind for a more relaxed song. Um, and you can swing the eighth notes and stuff like that to build some more tension and release before the actual downbeat hits so that your downbeat is really feeling like home. It's like a big, bigger resolve. And then my last one are effects. They're like the ambient textures that you create to make a soundscape with all your with all your things. So in in film, the film equivalent to this would be using like drone shots. They're your pretty like transition shots. The, they're not necessary and they don't specifically contribute to the story of where the song is but they contribute to creating that texture, that, that tension. So for example, what I do a lot is have a reverse cymbal go into the, and crescendo up to the chorus or the hook or whatever. And then that makes it sound so much bigger once it hits. So that's a way to use um, textures and effects um, to create more tension. Uh, there are a lot of other options as well. So like uh, Andrew Huang recently did a video where he, he sampled him biting into an onion and stretched it out as like a crash symbol type situation. But either way, a lot of these texture changes are, um, are used to highlight what the, what, the, um, what the overall theme of each segment is gonna sound like, where the tension and release is. But you can check out my Patreon with all, uh, with a couple examples of each of these. But thanks for tuning in. That's the musician's perspective. Have a good day, y'all.